0: Good morning, Bucknoters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning Five here on Monday, August thirtieth, twenty twenty one. And welcome to Game Week. I am Dave Biddle. I am very happy to be joined by Steve Hellwagon. Steve, three days away. It feels so good to say that. Buckeyes, Minnesota, Thursday night in Minneapolis. Ohio State is favored by 14 points. Steve, what are your uh, thoughts on this matchup? Oh,
1: Dave, good Game Week, everybody. Here we go. It it is time. Uh, The long wait is over. Put the uh, whatever happened in 2020... uh, Behind them and uh, move on to 2021, where there's so much promise and potential for this team. I think you got to be excited about this first matchup because you got a Minnesota team. Are you going to get the 2019 version of Minnesota, which was a top 10 team, or are you going to get the 2020 version of Minnesota, which was racked by injuries and illness and COVID and only won three games? I mean, it it uh, it's interesting to see which version of that team will show up. My feeling is it'll be probably closer to the 2019 version than the 2020 version. Since they seem to be at full strength, they're nearly full strength. But uh, got to be excited about this. You wonder, there's a little bit of a setup. OSU's last three Big Ten losses were all on the road in primetime games. Penn State in 2016, uh, Iowa 2017, Purdue in 2018. But it says right here that their head coach, Ryan Day, has never lost, never lost a game that he has coached Ohio State against a Big Ten opponent. And I don't look for that to change any time in the calendar year of 2021. So I think that uh, Buckeyes are going to get off to a strong and good start uh, to the season. I think we're going to get into some of the questions surrounding this matchup involving Ohio State. And uh, I think a lot of those questions are going to get answered in a good way on Thursday night.
0: Yeah, let's get into uh, some personnel matters when it comes to the Buckeyes. Let's start with the linebackers. We've talked a lot about the linebackers during camp. Let's whittle it down a little bit. You know, I think Taraja Mitchell's locked in as a starter. The fact that he's a captain says it all to me. So let's assume Taraja Mitchell is a starter. I'm curious to get your thoughts on how he's going to play. And then who do you think is going to line up when they do go with three linebackers out there? I think when they go with the bullet, Craig Young's going to be the starter there with Ronnie Hickman backing him up. Um, When they do go with three linebackers, who do you think is going to be the other two guys out there along with Mitchell?
1: Well, that's a tremendous question. We we obviously haven't been at practice uh, for the last week or so, and we have no clue who's healthy. I mean, it is completely in the dark on this, and nobody who's ever really played a lot of football at Ohio State is going to be involved in the answer to this question. We don't know if they've ever resolved what happened with Pali A.I. Nate Ote, his uh, eligibility, and, and whether... Even if he was eligible, would he be among the top three? We don't, we don't know that. Um, it sounds like Taraja Mitchell is uh, rock solid. They would not have voted him captain if his teammates had not seen uh, something they liked out of him on the field. It sounds like he is the leader, and he is the guy in that group. Dallas Gant missed a lot of time in the preseason due to injury. Uh, Cody Simon looked like he was going to be a guy that was going to win a spot, maybe middle linebacker, but then uh, he missed some time, it seemed, because of injury as well. Tommy Eichenberg is a guy who thought maybe he was going to win a spot, but he missed some time due to injury as well. Craig Young is the bullet, it sounds like. So when you go three three linebackers set, uh, my guess right now is it would be Mitchell, Maybe Cody Simon in the middle, maybe Eichenberg outside, and then maybe Eichenberg comes out for the bullet, I guess. I mean, I'm just I'm just completely guessing. And if Dallas gets healthy, maybe he gets a little bit of a look too. I'm not sure anybody else is even in this equation. Kevon Pope may have dropped off the face of this planet. I'm just not sure exactly what his status is. And then uh, Mitchell Melton obviously has been injured. And uh, Reed Carrico is a freshman. So that pretty much covers all of the scholarship linebackers, the few that they have, and they were decimated by injury. Ryan Batch, a uh, walk-on, was repping at first team, it looked like, in one of the practices we got to see. So, you know, I don't presume he's going to play against Minnesota. I think uh, all hope was that they would get the walking wounded back out there uh, for the opening game. So uh, I think uh, Minnesota's probably scratching their head wondering what kind of defense they're gonna see and uh, what personnel they're gonna see. And uh, they're gonna have to adjust on the fly just like uh, just like the rest of us, Dave, just gonna have to watch it and see.
0: I think you nailed it. You said you were guessing, but I think you nailed it. I've heard really good things about Cody Simon and Tommy Eichenberg. And I expected that from Cody Simon because we were hearing rumblings last year that they really liked him, and he saw the field a little bit as a true freshman. Tommy Eichenberg was a guy that I was not hearing much about until all of a sudden in the spring, there was some talk that he might be coming on. I'm like, okay. Um, file that away and then still wasn't expecting that much of them in fall camp. But everybody I talked to says Tommy Eichenberg's had a great camp. You're you're right, though. Both those guys have been banged up a little bit here and there. Nothing serious, I don't think. Um, but I think if, if those guys are healthy, I think those will be the second and third linebackers. I think you're right, Cody Simon and Tommy Eichenberg, or maybe they'll they'll rotate in the middle. I, I don't know. You're right. We're we're definitely guessing here, but those are two guys that are gonna play a lot if they're healthy, Cody Simon and Tommy Eichenberg. And then, of course, Taraja Mitchell. All right, let's talk about C.J. Stroud. I don't think I've had you on the show since he was named starting quarterback. What are your expectations this year for C.J. Stroud?
1: Oh, to eclipse everything Justin Fields did in the last two years. No, (laughs) I'm just I'm just kidding. That's an awful, huge expectation to expect him to live up. Justin Fields may have had the two best back to back seasons for any quarterback You know, you say Drew Brees, Big Ten history, but pretty close to Big Ten history, undefeated, obviously, against Big Ten opponents and just put up huge numbers running and throwing and uh, maybe not as much running, but certainly throwing and so efficient. I mean, that's when you think about a guy that did not turn the ball over, did not throw interceptions. So whoever was going to follow him had big shoes to fill. And it just so happens it is C.J. Stroud. From Rancho Cucamonga, California, a redshirt freshman, got into a few games last year, had a long touchdown run, as we all recall, against Michigan State, which was really cool to see, but still has not attempted a forward pass in a college game. And so that'll be his first experience. And I wonder if they'll throw a little swing pass on the very first play to get that out of the way. And and or a bubble screen or something that, you know, he is one for one for 16 yards and then you move on to the next play you know so i think that that would be uh very uh prudent to uh, to do something like that right out of the box first or second play to get his feet wet so i look for him to flourish in this role he looks like uh he is a confident leader uh i think the things that Ryan Day talked about and what we were able to see just in little glimpses that we were at practice He seemed like he was the most accurate of the three. Seemed like he threw the best deep ball of the three. And Ryan Day liked that when a play was over, whether it was a good result or a bad result, and he would walk back to the huddle and Ryan Day would say, what did you see here? That C.J. Stroud always had an explanation that held water. He always had a purpose for what he was doing with the football, where, you know, young quarterbacks a lot of time will just say, well, you know, I, I, I don't know what I was seeing there. You know, I, they'll, they'll give you the eye shrug their shoulders and CJ Stroud looks you in the eye and explains to you exactly what he saw and why he did what he did. And that's, that's something you can work with. Maybe the result wasn't what you wanted, but that's a player who's coachable who understands the offense and, uh, can, uh, can do things. So I, in my opinion, I look at him as a guy that, uh, He'll be a little bit of a work in progress, I think, for the first few games. But it sounds like he is a bright kid who is ready to flourish in this role. And uh, to me, Dave, I think another question about the quarterback situation is, do you prescribe on, say, series three or four that you're going to shove Kyle McCord or Jack Miller into the game to also get their feet wet? Uh, just in case, just in case, I mean, at that point you figure maybe it's 7 nothing, 10 nothing, 7-7, whatever. The game's not necessarily on the line, but you get that guy three, five, eight plays. That way in the fourth quarter, if something were to happen with C.J. Stroud, uh, that guy is also ready to go in and, and play if need be. So I wonder if that's part of their plan as well for this first game and is not to sacrifice a series by any means because you want to move it on every series, but it also makes good sense and is prudent to get whoever the backup is who's never played as well. I mean, Miller's played a few plays and did have a touchdown run. Uh, I think in the in one of the early season games last year, uh, without throwing a pass as well, that, uh, you know, you need to get that guy's feet wet too, because in the fourth quarter, you don't want to send that guy in there a uh, sight unseen if uh, something, pray tell were to happen to Stroud. So that's my feeling on it. I think Stroud's going to do very well. And uh, I think there are some questions about the Minnesota secondary. I think uh, the front seven for Minnesota ought to be pretty good, pretty stout. But uh, I think there is some question about what they're going to be able to do against the pass and, If the quarterback flourishes, gets time, they're going to take the top off the defense with Olave and Wilson and and Jackson Smith-Najigba and and Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Agbuka. I have no doubt about that.
0: Yeah, I think this offense is going to be elite, and you could not be walking into a better situation if you are a young quarterback, an inexperienced quarterback. You're right, none of these quarterbacks have even thrown a pass at the collegiate level, including Stroud and Miller. They got playing time last year, but they didn't throw a pass. Um, But you could not be walking into a better situation. You look at this group of wide receivers, probably the best that's – since I've watched Ohio State football, it's the best that I've seen. But both of my time as a fan and uh, and as a reporter, and there's been some good ones. It's the best. And then you look at this offensive line. It's going to go down as one of the best. I don't think it'll be the best, but it's going to be one of the best, I think, to come through here in a long time. Um, I like this group of running backs, which we're going to talk about in a second. We're also going to talk about the offensive line to finish the show. And it's the Ryan Day offense. I mean, it's just, you know, oh, Jeremy Rucker. Did I have to about the best tight end to come through here in a long time? You could not be walking into a better situation if you're a young quarterback. So, yeah, I expect big things out of Stroud. And you bring up an interesting point about McCord or Miller, whoever's the number two. I think it's McCord. Does Ryan Day sprinkle him in um, when the game's still on the line? Maybe that's something Ryan Day will be asked when we talk to him at noon today. I might steal your question, Steve. I might ask him about that. Uh, Okay. (laughs) I like that. I like that. Um, Because I don't think – has he ever been asked on the record if he's uh, anti-two quarterback system? I think we just assume – are not, not, there's not going to be a two quarterback system. I don't think he's ever been asked about that, but maybe, maybe I'll ask him today. All right. Let's talk about the running back rotation. Now I'm on record. I think, uh, you know, the top three guys are going to be used a lot in the Minnesota game. you know, they're going to have running back by committee with, in whatever order, Master Teague, Mayan Williams, Travion Henderson. But I do think Steve, at some point this season, the top two running backs on the team are going to be Mayan Williams and Travion Henderson. And I'm really high on, on Travion Henderson. I mean, he's got the highest ceiling of any of these guys. How do you think
1: it's going to shake out at running back this
0: year and this Thursday night?
1: Well, I think you got three legit guys. I think you got Master Teague, mine, Williams, Travion Henderson. I know this pains people uh, to say it, but I do believe Master Teague is going to get the first shot, and I think it makes sense. He's not a fumbler. He's a good pass protector, and if you're backed up in your own end to start the game, you know you start on your own twenty-five usually to start the game, uh, either a punt or a kickoff or whatever. Uh, it makes sense to have a veteran in there to, to be in that position. I don't know that it matters if somebody is, quote, the starter. I think uh, what you're going to have, obviously, Mayan Williams is going to play. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And I think Travion Henderson is going to play. And I think after those two veterans, and I say veteran with Williams, who only who redshirted last year, but he did get a few carries in, what, maybe four games last year, was able to still redshirt. I think that uh, uh, Henderson is the changeup back. He's the guy that once you've softened up the defense and they're expecting the guy to come through the hole, you know, the big guy, uh, you squirt him through there and he's gone. So to me, that is what uh, I would look for. That again, that seems to be what makes the most sense football wise to me, but Maybe they go in a different direction. Maybe they just decide they're a better team with Mayan Williams at running back, and that's who they're going with. So I'm interested to see what happens on Thursday night. Uh, I'm not sure what Coach Day is going to say today about that. Uh, To me, Master Tig came in in great shape and was healthy, and I'm not sure that he was ever truly 100% last year coming off the Achilles. So people formed opinions based on what they saw, as opposed to, you know, how good he potentially could really be. So, um, you know, pe- people are very demanding at this level. When you come to, the, when you talk about Ohio State, the fans, the, the expectations, uh, I don't want to say it's a wine and cheese crowd at this point following Ohio State, but the expectations are pretty clear. Win the Big Ten and get to the playoff, anything less than that, and most certainly beat Michigan, but you know, you don't even really talk about that anymore. Um, you know, win the big 10 and get to the playoff or the expectations and anything that, uh, less than that's not acceptable. I I hate to see what will happen the year that Ryan day finally loses to a big 10 opponent and, uh, they don't win the big 10 and don't make the playoff. I don't know, maybe in eight, 10, 15 years when that happens, we'll wait and see uh, how people react, but I'm kidding of course, but, um, you know, I, I think that they're that that while we sit here and we talk about how okay they're gonna go blow out Minnesota and, and blow out is kind of a relative term, I've got it somewhere in the forty one twenty range, something like that, just being a road game. Um, I think you do have to understand that that these other teams are, are are putting good football teams on the field and you know, expect the unexpected sometimes. I think that that needs to be said. Last thing, let's talk about the offensive line. Now, it looked like um, the starting
0: offensive line was locked in, and it pretty much is. It pretty much is, but um, with Nick Petit-Ferrer at left tackle and then Thayer Mumford at left guard, Harry Miller at center, Paris Johnson Jr., right guard, Dewan Jones at right tackle. But Thayer Mumford has been banged up. And Matt Jones has been playing really well. So I've been told that Matt Jones has been getting a lot of first-team reps. In fact, when we were at practice, we saw him get some first-team reps. But lately, he's been taking most of the first-team reps because Thayer hasn't been back yet. Um, now, maybe he's back now. The, this information I, w- I was given is a few days old at this point. But it sounds like they might rotate a little bit there at left guard. Your thoughts on that and your thoughts overall on this offensive line?
1: Yeah, that's very interesting. It sounds like DeWan Jones is a mainstay at right tackle. And uh, I do believe Thayer Munford did make it back for maybe the last week or so. So I think that he is definitely in the plans and the thoughts. Matthew Jones has given them a lot of pause for, uh, in a good way, to uh, say, you know, anywhere else in the country he'd be playing, just not at Ohio State. So what they might do is come up with a rotation and move Thayer back out to uh, right tackle, perhaps, and uh, sit Dewan Jones for a few series and get Matthew Jones in the game, or sit there, Munford, and uh, get uh, Matthew Jones in the game. But um, I do believe there'll be some sort of rotation. I think they obviously love their five-man cohesion up front, and that does mean a lot. But uh, it's going to be, again, you know, the conditions here in the Midwest have been really hot and humid here for the last two, three weeks during preseason camp. And I expect it to be the kind of a – Soupy night up at Minnesota, probably in the low 70s and high humidity. And and there is a chance of rain, I think, even a stray shower, as I read in the forecast. So I think that uh, possibility exists that uh, they may rotate guys uh, just because it's, again, the best thing to do for the unit. And uh, again, they all deserve to play. And uh, it's a good problem to have when you have more than five starting offensive linemen. I consider that a good. Situation, So I'm, uh, I am I want to see how Greg Studerawa Kevin Wilson work through that on the offensive line and uh, who they deem their best five and then, uh, you know, who of the backups uh, all get in there and have a chance to play. I think that uh, they really like uh, Josh Fryer and I think they like Luke Whippler as well at center and Fryer could play guard or tackle. Enoch, Enoch Vamahi is another guy that uh, I think has is, is made some inroads. And Ben Christman, a true freshman. Donovan Jackson, a true freshman. Those two guys have uh, mixed in uh, pretty early as well. So uh, an embarrassment of riches on the offensive line for Ohio State. And and when Jacob James, who is a really good player, is kind of a fringe second-team, third-team guy, uh, that'll tell you what you've got going on for yourself there on the offensive line. So um, I am – You know, I am bullish on this offensive line. You know, Urban Meyer used to say we're an offensive line-driven program. If that's the case, this team's driving all the way to the uh, promised land because this is a really, really good uh, offensive line Ohio State's assembled this year. No question about it.
0: Man, I'm excited. (laughs) Only three days away. It's going to be here before we know it. It's so freaking exciting. After just talking throughout the offseason about all this stuff, man, it's going to all come to fruition – This Thursday night in Minneapolis, cannot wait. Great stuff from Steve Hellwagon here on the Bucknuts Morning 5. Thank you to Steve. Thank you to all the listeners out there for tuning in. We appreciate that very much. Hope everyone has a great day. Let's go to Buckeye Swag, best day of band in the land. (laughs)